The Redneck Tech Podcast is brought to you by Diamondback Covers, the absolute best cover you could ever spend your money on. If you need an insurance policy for all the expensive gear on the back of your truck, then you need a Diamondback cover. Make the bed of your truck a vault with Diamondback. Right here, right here, right here. Yeah, you want it? Well, howdy folks, welcome to the Redneck Tech Podcast. You may notice, I'm not Caleb, I am actually Ryer, aka Red Velvet. Caleb is on a mountain lion hunt with um, Brock, with Really White TV, and it is me, Clay, and Chris in the office today, and we thought that we'd go ahead and do a podcast. Uh, we are streaming live on YouTube. Caleb is watching. Uh, he's giving us a steady stream of crap, um, but that's okay. We're going to keep going, and we're not going to let his negative words discourage us, and uh, we're going to have a good time. The general topic today is going to be uh, social media. So, we, uh, last, was it last week we did a podcast with you, Chris? Yes, sir. So, last week we did a podcast with Chris, and uh, he's still here, and he is still helping us out in the office, and uh, he's been staying at my place, and we've been having a lot of conversations about social media, all kinds of topics about social media. Um, It's something that I'm very interested in. It's something that I spend a decent amount of time doing, uh, social media I can say for myself is something that I'm on a lot of the time. And uh, lately I've been really trying to work on leveraging that effectively for um, the Redneck Tech podcast page, for the Copeland Creative page, and also um, for um, a podcast page that we run, the Playing the Game podcast, uh, which is Brock's podcast. And uh, so I have a... I, I, I know enough about social media and social media strategy to be dangerous. Um, I think I do a, a maybe slightly above average job um, on the social media side of things, but I'm certainly no expert, and uh, I think Chris has a lot more experience in that realm than me, especially on the technical and brand side of things. Um, so I guess the first thing I might have Chris talk about is just kind of some of the work that you've done on the social media side of things, just in general, some of your experience. Yeah. Yeah. So social media, it's such a, I don't know, like a, it's such a, in my opinion, an overused term. It, it's a loaded word um, or a loaded phrase that has so many different things mm-hmm. packed into it. Because when we talk about social media, um, you know, the, the common things are like Instagram and Facebook Um you also throw in TikTok, LinkedIn, YouTube, if you want to get technical, could be considered a social media platform, Twitter. Um, and really, all of the, what, what all of these serve is as a communication platform through which one person communicates with another. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my experience in using social media has primarily, before I ever started like um, learning about like the organic side of it and the creative side of it, it was purely from a business sense. Um, before I dove into the outdoor world. Um, the majority of my 
experience with social media was running it for businesses like on the advertising side. Um, so paid media, sponsored sponsored posts and things of that right. nature, um, lead generation and that kind of thing. But what it led to was a better understanding of how people use the apps and how to catch their attention and how you can kind of um, hack attention, if you will, to um, begin to, I don't want to say build an audience because in a lot of, in a lot of cases that may be your goal. Um, but at the, at the end of the day, um, how to use these communication platforms to reach your desired outcome. Mm-hmm. Um, because like I said, your desired outcome may not necessarily be just to grow a big following. Um, but it may be to connect with a certain individual or a specific niche of individuals um, or, you know, whatever the case is. So um, what I've been in the process of doing over the last like year and a half or two years is converting my knowledge as far as um, the paid media side of it to the organic side of it mm-hmm. and learning how to take advantage of these communication platforms to get the attention of the end user. So what do you are when you say you're transitioning uh, or or taking your knowledge from one to the other? Are you are you transitioning to a more organic approach or are you just taking some of the things that you learned from and and this is what I gathered from our conversation a more a more uh, strategic and measured approach on the paid side of things and trying to translate all of those statistics and numbers that you were running then to um, the organic side of things or, or what are you talking about there? Yeah, so. Um, knowing the, knowing the field that I'm trying to get into, which is, you know, specifically the outdoor industry. Um, the reason that it was such a big deal to me to learn the organic side of it was because the outdoor industry as a whole is based around primarily influencer marketing. Mm -hmm. It's not just, which a ton of, a ton of outdoor companies run paid advertising. Like every, every, every outdoor company that has sponsorship deals with influencers also runs paid advertising, but an overarching amount of the ad dollars that are spent or the marketing dollars that are spent in this industry is spent on influencers, which whether that's TV or whether that's social media are basically using their influence to, um, to sell their impressions to a brand. Mm -hmm. And my thought process is, well, if I want to get into that, whether that's brokering deals between influencers and brands or whether that's working specifically with brands to set them up with influencers that are going to be the best bang for their buck I need to understand why their impressions, why they are getting the impressions that they're getting and whether or not those impressions are worth as much as the impressions that they could be getting somewhere else. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Because not every impression is equal. So Sure. Have you have you found anything or formed any opinions on that front yet? As far as influencer marketing and whether uh, the impressions from an influencer are better the same or worse than impressions on your own page or on a paid advertisement? Mm. Um, yeah, so so again, a lot of this, so much of this is, is speculation at sure. this point because I'm still constantly testing testing theories and, and doing research. But um, yeah, I think, I mean, I think it depends um, because in my opinion, the, the purpose of using, so, so this is how I've kind of set up in the businesses that I've, I've done social media for so far is that the the things that you post on your own page are mm-hmm. specifically geared towards um, people who are already aware of your brand because the only people, for the most part, on most of these social media platforms, except for maybe like TikTok or LinkedIn, the organic reach, which means the the reach that you get from just posting a post and then the likelihood of somebody who doesn't follow, who doesn't follow you seeing it, 
the organic reach has largely dropped off. Mm-hmm. Um, so for the most part, if you post a post, the, the people who are going to engage with it are people who are already in your funnel or already people who are engaged with your brand. So the type of content that you would put out on your own page versus um, the purpose of like partnering with an influencer would be um, to put your brand in front of somebody who's not already familiar with you. Mm-hmm. Like if you're going to do a brand deal with um, like, so for instance, Diamondback truck covers, like mm-hmm. the benefit of them doing like a sponsorship deal to sponsor this podcast would be somebody listening to this podcast doesn't already follow them. Right. And set, and here's the intro. Oh, you know what? I need a cover for the bed of my truck. Mm-hmm. They trust you guys because they're already that you, you guys have built that relationship with them. So, so you, you guys have built that relationship with your, with your listeners. Mm-hmm. So that brand doesn't have to go through the process of also building that trust necessarily right. because you guys have done it for them. So it's like two different, two different purposes of mm-hmm. like, of like content production. So, so really it's, it's a way to reach new audiences. Largely. Is, yeah. In my opinion is what you would kind of advise people to use influencers yeah. for and social proof, mm-hmm. you know, shows that people actually use it. So now Clay, before we went live, you said that this topic might be a little incendiary, that there might be some disagreements. I don't know what that means. I'm going to assume you're referring to the fact that it heats me up a bit. Yeah. 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 So, <laughs> so in, in our talks that we've had, um, Chris seems to be very, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I, it doesn't seem like you have a negative view of influencers or using influencers um, on the marketing side of things, social media marketing-wise. Um, and it seems like you have a very strategic approach about it, a very measured approach to it. Um, at least that's kind of the, the vibe I get from you. Um so, Clay, what is your opinion on using influencers for marketing? I have zero problem using influencers. Mm-hmm. I think influencers are a big driver in the outdoor industry, and I'm talking strictly the outdoor industry. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think for the amount of good that influencers are doing for the hunting industry, I also think they're doing the same amount of bad. Because in my opinion, and this is me personally, a influencer should almost be like a customer support representative. They should be there to answer questions, give feedback, um, give recommendations, answer questions from the outside public. Um, But then they should also be a marketing team that promotes um, that gives feedback on things that need to change or new products that could come. They, they hold a bunch of different hats. Mm-hmm. But my issue is um, I see a lot of influencing from people that shouldn't be influencing. Um, and this is just me being honest, um, but like – People that are an influencer just because they want to be an influencer, not because they're trying to help people. Mm-hmm. Um, like every, like just the generic, the girl with her butt out, holding the product, never used the product, doesn't hunt. Her boyfriend's probably a photographer. Um, 
all their photos are photo shoot photos. Mm-hmm. Um, and this isn't me knocking on girls because there's guys that are like this too. Hopefully not with their butt hanging out. But there's guy like hopefully like hey, just got these uh, new trail cameras. I love them. They're the best ones on the market, and they're still on original packaging. You know things like that. That's what bothers me because I have. I'm going to try to throw myself under the bus. I've tried to be an influencer a few times for a brand to get some free stuff because we all like free stuff. And they always tell me that I don't have enough followers and I don't engage in enough uh, conversation with my audience. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't know if any of y'all have been to my Instagram page, but I have 774 followers as of of this podcast. And a lot of that has to do with the social media algorithms and how I think they're kind of botched, in my opinion, mm-hmm. because I don't hashtag because I think they're ugly and I think they make your posts ugly. Um, and I know, like, we put ours in the comments mm-hmm. and things like that, so you can't see them on the post. Um, but I think, like, Instagram as a whole could do a better way of some type of hashtag system that is a bit more... Um, fluid but like i don't hashtag um i don't post to get followers i post right stuff that i would also want to see Mm -hmm. and and that's where i think influencers the bad influencers um kind of rub me the wrong way is they're not posting organic stuff not all of them there are some amazing quote influencers out there but i don't see them as an influencer like stephen drake amazing photographer Mm -hmm. does these little vlog things of like him going out and like his hunts or his photo trips. He's vlogging them. And I believe he's a Matthews influencer. And I know for a fact he's a Sitka influencer, Mm -hmm. but he's not making Sitka and Matthews posts. He's just talking about what he uses. Mm. And that, that's an interesting conversation. And that's what, and that's what bothers me. It's not the, It's the I'm an influencer for this brand stuff that bothers me, not the, hey, this is what I'm doing, this is what I'm using. Right. That doesn't bother me. It's the, it's almost the, it's the NASCAR quote type stuff. You must hate working in the outdoor industry then. And and it does bother me. It's (laughs) like, it's the NASCAR stuff is what I call it. Like, oh, this, uh, this Red Bull and Monster Energy drink racing suit helped me win today. Well, they they didn't really do anything but, like, cover your body. Same thing, like, if it wasn't for this this brand of arrow and this brand of bow and this bow of broadhead, I would not have killed this deer. That's the stuff with influencers that bothers me. How philosophical do you want to get with that conversation? And you have more experience with that, obviously. But on the outside, that's the influencer yeah. stuff that bothers me. No, I got you. I got you. Let's try a base level philosophical and see what happens. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm a I'm a big fan of of very deep level philosophical conversations, but also I at at some point in this podcast I do want to circle around and give some practical tips and answer some questions we got on uh, the podcast. So I don't want to get too into the weeds with it, but yeah. I do want to hear some of the philosophical <laughs> uh, thoughts that you have. Yeah. No. So I mean, I'm. I'm right there with you. One of my, one of the reasons that I kind of stopped watching a lot of outdoor industry because I, I used I was obsessed with it growing up. That's all my dad and I watched was like the Outdoor Channel and Sportsman's mm-hmm. Channel. 
But after a while, myself, like many other people, really got tired of like the billboard-esque type advertising that was on it. Um, I am more likely, and this is so garbage of me to say, I am more more likely to use a product the less it's thrown in my face than I am to use the products that are thrown in my face. I think it's how it's thrown in your face. Well, correct. Yes, it feels thrown in my face because yeah. that's how it's thrown it in my a bad face. Taste in your mouth. Yeah, yeah. I no, I agree. I agree. And and see, that's why I think that actually, that's why I believe that influencer marketing versus um, traditional advertising is actually actually has a potential higher ROI if it's done correctly. ROI is return on investment. By correct. The way. Correct. Because if it's done wrong, of course, it looks like it's a, it, it it looks like a sorority girl doing a multi-level marketing scheme and it's right. just bad taste. Yeah. But like if it's done right, it's like what you said, you know, you can't deny the fact that you get on Instagram and you go through, like there's a reason that nine out of the 10 um, outdoor people that you land on on Instagram are wearing, not people in the outdoor industry, but people who are outdoorsmen are wearing Sitka. There's, there, there's like, there's no argument as to why. It's because Sitka has done a phenomenal job branding themselves mm-hmm. online. And, putting their gear in the hands of people who are actually doing the work. Right. You know what I mean? Matthews is another one. Us three talk about it all the time. If all the companies in the outdoor space use their marketing dollars like Matthews and Sitka did, industry would be completely different. Right. I'm not as familiar. Can you elaborate a little bit on Matthews that? is exactly like Sitka, except it's a bow and not camouflage. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I th- we All three of us, and speaking for them three, hopefully I'm correct, would say they are – one of the, they are the top two, if not the best, uh, content people in Ooh, the, Matthews and Sidco. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and 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 it's it's not even just a, it it goes past the whole how they use influencers and things of that nature. But I mean, for us, I think a lot of it has to do with their their willingness to fund um, productions with a big budget, and not necessarily have to have 15, 20, 25 sponsors mm-hmm. on, on a video. And, and they're usually, it seems like, perfectly happy to, um, you know, basically take the role of we're funding the project, our name will be on it that way. Um, you know, they'll throw a logo in the front or the back or something like that. It's something really cool, something very artsy. It's highly produced, and then boom, it's like the that's red, it. Like the Red Bull model. Right, kind yeah. of. Yeah, the Red Bull model, they, the Yeti model. The they become a pr- like a production entity themselves putting out content. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I think I, I find myself myself being a bit critical on the influencer stuff because doing what we do for a living, I can look at something and be like, oh, that's a sick shot, but it was done in a photo shoot, not in the field. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a lot of this influencer stuff is done on photo shoots and not actually being used as the product should be used. And I think some of that's what puts a bad taste in my mouth as well. Yeah. Well, I mean, also look at, so, so this is a really interesting thing. So I myself really enjoy watching well-produced pieces of outdoor content because I'm a creator myself. Mm-hmm. You know, you're the same way. Right. Something that's really interesting to me is though, like, but if, if I want to watch hunting content, like if I want to get like, if, if I want to scratch that whitetail itch, I'm watching the hunting public nine times out of 10 and they're shooting on like Canon XA20s and like throwing it in Premiere and pumping it out. And it's not by any means high production value, but the content is there. And mm-hmm. it was really interesting to me. Cause I'm like, I wonder how, like obviously some other people got to feel this way, 
we have Avery over to 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 Ryer's house the other night, and he goes to put a like a he wants to watch turkey hunting on Pinhoti YouTube project. What was it? The Pinhoti project. Yeah, a lot of guys will know that. For mm-hmm. sure. And um, I I to be fair, I'd never heard of it, but immediately I understood why is because like guys like you and me, and I, and I assume Clay to a degree, like really enjoy watching the production aspect of it. But for dudes who are in it for the hunt because they really enjoy the hunt, hunting, which by the way, people in the outdoor industry, that's who our audience is. I know it's wild, right? Our audience mm-hmm. isn't other creators for the people who like are into hunting and watch it for that reason. It's not so much about like, like they could come to a point where the stylized shoots and the high production quality in the F 1.8 aperture could actually maybe do some harm. Yeah. You know, and um, I, I am, I am, I watch two types of content. I watch the higher end, well-produced, cinematic, fancy, whatever you want to call it, stuff. And then I watch the dude in his garage filming on a GoPro with no microphone, educational content. Mm-hmm. I will watch something. I'll I'll sit there and watch a forty-five minute PowerPoint presentation on YouTube if I'm going to learn what I was what I looked up to learn. Um, and that's where I think like the Penhody Project and uh, the hunting public have done well is because, yes, they're hunting and they're killing animals. They kill very large animals for doing it on public land, but it's more about the education mm-hmm. for them. And that's where I think, like, Caleb's brother, Caleb talks about it all the time. He hates the fact that his brother loves the hunting public, <laughs> but his brother Josh loves the hunting public because he says it all the time. He learns stuff when he goes on there, and I think that's where you can mm-hmm. your stuff doesn't have to be Hollywood quality if it's educational. And there's a high, high just, amount of relatability. Yes, it just has to provide value, and that's the whole yeah. thing. And if you're and I, I won't go too far off into this because this rabbit trail could go for miles and miles. But if you have any experience listening to like Gary Vaynerchuk, for example, he's a a very talented businessman and marketer. Perfect. I was going to ask you about him. And, um, but his, his thing. And, and so it's gotten to the point that when people say quality content, I literally like cringe just thinking about it is because quality is so subjective to the person that it's created for Mm -hmm. because production quality doesn't necessarily mean relevance and value provided to the audience. Because trust me, I've seen some dudes who have fantastic, like really, really high quality gear, perfect lighting set up, technically correct shots, put together a video, and it is terrible. Mm-hmm. Provides no value for one reason or another. Um, and then likewise, I've seen people, I've seen, you know, clips of like a hog hunt shot on a cell phone go viral on Facebook, like right. overnight in these hunting groups. And it's because people, for, you know, better or worse, like really dig the content. So quality is so subjective to the people that it's created for. So that's why understanding who your audience is and creating content, not necessarily for what you like, but for what your, co- what your audience will get value from is the most important thing mm-hmm. when it comes to the job we do, in my opinion. So to continue down the Gary V side of things, um, I think one of the biggest struggles or one of the biggest questions that I am always faced with as somebody running social medias is like, what do I post? How often do I post? How much should I post? Um, 
I'm sure anybody who's listened to this podcast for any period of time knows that I, as an individual, am more detailed and I get off into the weeds with trying to make sure that everything is perfect um, before I'll post or before I do anything. And so I think that I've found more and more in today's climate, um, people want content now and they want a lot of it. And you almost you, you can't be like that. And I think Gary V is a is a really big proponent of that. So proponent of what? I don't know who Gary V is. Um he he's like a I guess you could call him a social media strategist guru kind of guy. Uh he's very outspoken on trying to help people win basically on social media and or marketing, marketing. or whatever. Mm-hmm. He runs he runs a um he runs a marketing agency, uh, like a Madison Avenue marketing agency who runs the marketing for, um, for like fortune 500 companies, brands you would recognize Budweiser, Pepsi, um, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. And he has a really big personal brand following for also helping, I guess, lead and guide young entrepreneurs or old entrepreneurs alike into a better understanding of, um, like entrepreneurship and marketing and customer okay. attention and things of that nature. Okay. So, so what would you, what's your general approach to, um, I guess some of the more, uh, quantifiable things on social media, like how much to post, what to post, how often to post, what time to post, like what kind, what is your general approach to that? I mean, a lot of those things do depend on your particular audience. Um, and kind of your particular page, things like posting times and whatnot. But do you have a general kind of strategy when you when you go into that sort of thing? Yeah, so, I, you know, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier. It totally, in my opinion, it totally depends on what your end goal is um, and where your strengths lie as well. Um, you know, for some people, I, I know people that putting out content comes so naturally to them that putting out five or six pieces of content a day on a single platform is nothing. So when you talk about like, you hear people like Gary Vee talk about like, you need to be putting out 15 to 20 pieces of content a day. Well, for, you know, for some people that's not hard because they're perfectly fine with like throwing up um, because, because their, their specific niche and brand allows it. They're perfectly fine with throwing up um, like cell phone pictures and then putting out a tweet and screenshotting the tweet and putting it in their Instagram feed and then sharing that on Facebook and Instagram stories and then mm-hmm. cross-posting and doing all these things. And then when somebody likes six of their posts, they'll screenshot it and do a shout-out for them in their stories, and it just builds up and builds up. And then some people just, like, thrive on it, and they can build that massive amount of content. But there are some people who just suffocate under it, and they end up spending so much time and energy thinking about it that they don't actually really get anything impactful done. So... I think one, it kind of depends on where your strengths are because I think that if you are killing yourself just trying to put out content, you're better off starting off small and putting out something consistently um, that you enjoy putting out. And then later, if you find yourself in a spot where you feel like you can up the um, the amount, then that's great. But you should start off where you're comfortable putting out what you want to put out. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one side of it. And then, uh, the other side of it I'd say too, is like kind of what the, what the purpose of your, um, the purpose of your, of your channel is or your, your platform. Because if you're an influencer who you make your living 
by impressions, then it's probably best to develop some kind of system where you're constantly putting out content. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're not going to have the impressions to sell, you know, your sponsorship. Right. So when I look at influencers that I've done some work for that are able to put out, like I said, 15 pieces of content a day across platforms, all of a sudden their value to sponsors goes up dramatically mm-hmm. because they're, you know, somebody's putting out, you put out two, two posts a day versus one post a day, all of a sudden your impressions double. The visits to your page double. So the amount of people who are going to see Sitka field staff in their bio doubles. You know what I mean? Right. So all of a sudden that's more value to a sponsor. You know, take the other side of that and maybe you're, maybe you're Clay. Let's say, let's say hypothetically Clay with 700 and something followers on Instagram. But let's say Clay's hopes and dreams were to be a freelance videographer. Well, he doesn't necessarily need to amass a massive audience. It's cool if he can. And there are definitely dudes who, who I follow on Instagram who are creators who have built big audiences. But the important thing is putting out content that's going to appeal to the people who need to see that. So you don't necessarily need to amass a giant audience. You need to put out a number of content and the type of content that when Caleb Copeland lands on your profile, he likes what he sees. Yeah, it's better to have 774 followers and have 500 true engagements versus having 300,000 followers and only having 1,000 true engagements. And I think the I think also the important thing in in my besides, opinion, I may be wrong. Just the metrics there is one knowing your end goal, like every other thing that we ever talk about is where know the goal, know where where you're going to put this, know what you're trying to do, know what you're trying to say, and like making sure that the content is relevant and useful to that end goal, yeah. like. If you were, if you were trying to get Caleb Copeland to land on your page and be like, "Oh, I want that guy to work for Copeland Creative," you putting out four million cell phone pictures isn't going to do it. No. What's going to do it is having good quality pictures, well produced videos, um, you know. Yeah. And videos specifically and I, one, that once that, a week. And I think week, I think I mean? that theory points back to your page because you almost double the amount of followers I have. And I think you have a third of the posts that I have. You, yeah. I think we looked a couple days or a couple weeks ago, and you hadn't posted since like September. Yeah. So my I and a lot of that I will on your behalf. You run the Cope Creative and the Rednet Tech social media, and oh, I'm sorry, guys. I didn't mean to. Go ahead. Um, and a lot of the things you would see on your page you already see on the Cope Creative and the Rednet Tech page. Mm-hmm. And just like me now, not before I worked here, but me now, whatever I would post on my page or what you would post on your page that was your photo is going to go on Rednet Tech or Cope Creative. So now it's even harder for you to post things, I would assume, because you're running two more important pages that require more content for those two pages. Yeah, I and... And I'll be honest. I've, like I said before, my I've, Gary, I I listened to Gary V and 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 tried to kind of glean strategy from him for for a little while, um, before we had like talked about it. So, uh, his huge thing is like don't overthink it, right? Yep. Um, because and and, oh, and I'm I'm a hundred percent the poster child 
of overthinking and perfectionism on any platform, but especially social media. Um, I, I'm the type of person who will not post something if I don't feel like it's perfect or if I don't have something like perfect to say about it. I don't have the perfect caption. It's not like timely or relevant. Um, and like that literally paralyzed me for months. I didn't put out anything. Um, and I just, I would do stories. Uh, and, and even the stories sometimes, uh, you know, like if I don't feel like the story will be cool or that it will get uh quote unquote engagement, I would not do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, I start listening to Gary V and, and really trying to analyze why it is that I'm using social media for me personally, right? And for me, my goal on social media is I just want to show people cool things that I took. And so I kind of had to come to this realization that if I think it's cool, I should just put it on my, my social media. Who cares if I have anything interesting yeah. necessarily to say about it? Now, do I still, you know, have to rein in my own tendencies and, and, and have to continually fight kind of that urge to want to be a perfectionist about it? Yes. Yeah. But, like, definitely recently I've tried to be a lot better about just trying to put out things that, one, I think are cool, like, especially my feed. My feed I try to make just photos and stuff that, that I feel is cool and I want to share with people. And then the stories are kind of like a look into what I get to do every day. Um, and it's kind of the place where I'm able to mess around and, and, uh, have some jokes or I like to share those inspirational things to, to, um, kind of show other people's work off and to show some things that I think are cool. And, um, it's really made it, that kind of switch has made, made a big difference to me. And it was cool too because that gives people like an insight into your personality that they may not otherwise know. It like mm-hmm. kind of builds a, builds that rapport, if you will. Um, because I even before coming up here, I mean we we've before I got here this last week, like I feel like we've been friends for a lot longer than we have just mm-hmm. because of this last week. But really, prior to like last Monday, we had met each other twice, right? And talked on Instagram like once. But mm-hmm. I feel like I had a better idea of like what to expect and like who you were because of you weren't just putting out a picture on Instagram, but you were like constantly communicating through stories, which mm-hmm. by the way is a fantastic feature on social media for communicating those smaller, like micro details. Yeah. That's harder to convey in a post. Um, well, I think stories now, given how much content people want and the fact that they want that relatability, right? People really connect in it, from what I've seen, people really connect with stories um, because it's almost like, the stories break a little bit of that wall that is up on a feed, mm-hmm. right? When you scroll through something, it's super easy to like that. Um, how many times do I comment on a post per day? Very, very, very rarely. Um, now, how many times will I reply to somebody's story? A lot more, a lot more. Because yeah. it, it, it feels like you have access to that person as an individual through the stories. Right. And I think the same thing is with a brand. I think it breaks down and a little bit of, of that wall and, and makes people feel like they're more familiar and it's more casual. Go ahead. Okay. It wasn't really. So 
I want to make sure that we land on this before we go on to the next topic. But sure. Caleb, Caleb posted in the chat oh, yeah. a fantastic example, which is who you all know and love, Black Rifle Coffee Company. He said was it one, Black Rifle was at one point putting out over 30 pieces of content a day across all their platforms. And if I might add, contextual content as well. Like mm-hmm. they weren't just throwing stuff up. I remember when I found Black Rifle Coffee Company, I was like so taken back by the amount of content that they put out and the types of content they were putting out. Yeah. And I, which I'm, I'm not a veteran. I was never in the military, but I had some close friends who were. And the type of humor that I would see on their videos was like, mm-hmm. if you spent much time around military guys, like I think, <laughs> I think Mike Hearn, whenever I, whenever I yeah. think, like just this kind of maybe borderline raunchy, like, or definitely raunchy like kind of mm-hmm. crazy sense of humor and i would see that in their videos and i'm like man for the type of people that they're like i guess trying to um associate with like this is very very on point with mm-hmm. what it needs to be and they were putting out ty- they were putting out content and i think maybe this was even before they were really getting into hunting content i'm not sure because that's yeah. that come a little bit later on but they were even doing like the uh um how was it? It was like, you may be, you may be a veteran if, mm-hmm. and they were doing videos like that. And it was, it was just like, kind of back to what we were talking about earlier. They weren't high production value videos. Right. It wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like s- s- cinematic style videos. It was, it honestly looked like them kind of running around with like a DSLR or like maybe mm-hmm. even a cell phone camera and shooting these like goofy videos, but it was like perfect for who they're trying to get in front of. Right. And they've gone absolutely viral mm-hmm. to the point that, you don't even, like, screw the sponsorship. Everybody's putting Black Rifle on everything that they post anyways. Like, right. if, somebody has, if somebody goes to the store and buys Black Rifle coffee, they're putting 16 stories about it on Instagram. Yeah. Because they're just so loyal to the brand because they've created that rapport with them by putting out... They've, first, they've created awareness, but then after the awareness, they've created that rapport with them because of the amount and the types of content that they're putting out. Um, and that is one of the perfect examples, in my opinion, of a brand that really did well with taking advantage of the absolute land grab of attention that has come with these modern communication platforms. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to make sure we didn't let that one go by the wayside. Yeah. I mean, I, I think black rifle is, is almost like the example of exactly what you want to do, all the things that you need to do. Um, like they didn't just put out content that was like, Hey, we have coffee, right? They really, right, they like, really narrowed down on, Okay, who is it that we want to buy our coffee? Who can we appeal to? And how can we make them like us and also our coffee? Mm-hmm. Like Black Rifle makes excellent coffee. That's which that, is also that, a huge part of their success because right. it's actually a good product. Yeah. So they have an excellent product, but I think that people you can find a lot of excellent coffee if you really want to, right? I think that they've been able to narrow down and create an audience that doesn't just like their coffee. They like Black Rifle Coffee Company. They like the stickers. They like the people who are the face of the brand. They like the attitude of the brand. They feel connected and spoken to, and they feel represented by Black Rifle. And they feel proud and stoked to say that they are a patron of Black Rifle, which is when you think about it, uh, like a, that's a huge deal oh, for absolutely. somebody to be so 
um, to feel like they're so connected to your brand and so happy with your brand that they willingly and enthusiastically want to associate themselves with that brand, especially on like social media. Yeah. You know, I mean, think of like how many things we do a day. Like if I eat a something, right. I'm not going to post like the brand of the thing that I'm eating most times. Unless know? it's Casey's. Right. <laughs> okay. But another see example. another one, yeah. but I, that's, a little bit because it's me and I love Casey's breakfast pizza. Casey, I can't tell you how many Instagram stories I've seen. It's a thing now, though, for sure. Casey's breakfast pizza and duck hunting in the same. And thing. like the thing with Casey's, it's like a thing. The thing with Casey's was not brought on by Casey's. No, it was brought on by the people using Casey's. Yeah, right. Or I guess yeah. consuming Casey's. Yeah, but again, I'm pretty sure Casey's like at no point was like, you know what we need to do? Get into the hunting market. Yeah, but regardless, of... and they still aren't. Tech, they're not like a no. I don't. And but re- regardless, but if you're listening to this, Casey's, if you're looking to break <laughs> into the hunting market and you would like somebody to represent your product, please hit me up. We could do a podcast of just eating Casey's pizza the whole time just just a just a video of just, just us eating Casey's pizza just nothing but audio of y'all smacking your gums i had this so, it crocs and socks 11 <laughs> out of 10 you know what it is you know what it is jake um oh yeah but so to that point though completely regardless of of the intent of the company that's like a perfect example of the wildfire that can happen whenever somebody's attention is caught on these communication platforms and it's an absolute it blows my mind how quickly things can take off. Or like, like the the um, ocean spray, ocean spray yeah. guy from TikTok. Yeah. Or do you, either y'all follow T Bone from mm-hmm. Bone Collector? Oh, I don't. I was thinking Mr. T. Totally uh, different. T Bone from Bone Collector. He started like a year and a half ago, the the free boot buff, where you, you go yeah. up, you go up an escalator and you stick your foot in the brush that cleans off the. Mm-hmm. Oh my God! The amount. I mean, all his stories are now are people that post that and tag him, and he reshares them. That's yeah. literally all this, the free boot buff. And I'm like, something so simple and stupid is yet so, like, great. Yeah. Well, and then, but, think, but think about what that does for a person, right? When you, like, when you associate with a brand, right, and especially on social media, like, you want them to see – your stuff. You want them to see your comments. You want them to see your picture that you posted. That's why you tag them. Like you want them to see that you like their stuff. You know, it kind of has that same sort of feel with like, if you just like see a celebrity in the wild and you're like, Hey, right. And, and get to maybe say hi to somebody. I think it has that same kind of feel and stories are such a great way to access people like that. Right. And so he does this one thing, people latch onto it and they're able to like feel connected to him and get kind of that same recognition, like recognition, that same kind of, Oh, that was cool. You know, feel like they've been seen and heard by somebody who they admire and look up to and enjoy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Have you dove into um, like the algorithms Mm -hmm. and things like that? Mm -hmm. Do we want to get that deep? Mm. We have some questions that we uh that I solicited from the Instagram audience today that I want to okay. get to. Okay. Um 
I had one. I had a couple of things. I want to, if somebody came to you and they're like, hey, I would like to be a quote-unquote influencer, right? Or a, a brand who has a social media slash internet following that will um, attract potential sponsors. Because we have a, 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 you know, a decent amount of our audience who is in that boat, right? They're, they have a show, they, have, um, they take photos, they, they do this, that, and the other, and they want to maybe monetize that in some way, um, whether that's being an influencer or getting sponsorships. What kind of like, practical advice would you give that person? Are we saying as far as what what we think they should do or what we think the businesses want them to do? Yes. I mean, what what should they be doing that will make them uh, an attractive, I guess, influencer or sponsorship for a company? Because Chris has been on both sides of, of that coin. So what would be some practical advice for somebody that they can start like applying yesterday? Don't look. At, I mean, if you want me to go, I would say I have two answers. The businesses want you. I would assume the businesses would want you to create relative, relative content on a regular basis that pushes their product, mm-hmm. or that could push their product. I want you to create high quality content when it matters that doesn't shove product in my face. Yeah. What would you say, Chris? So. Um, and that, that goes into algorithms, which we I, were going to stay away from. But I basically have two approaches to answering this. I have like a literal approach, like tactical. These are the things that I would do if I were you. And yeah. then I have like a philosophical approach. Give me the first one. The no, well, can Let me, you the, give me a philosophical <laughs> and then me, break that down into the literal? Give me, give me uh, The philosophical is easy to, to go with, so we can do that and then go into the tactical. Philosophically, my first question is, make for sure that you actually want to go the route of making money through sponsorships because I wouldn't. Okay. So then this is me personally. And I think this, I think this totally depends on the person too, because some people are completely okay with it. I would never, ever want to be sponsored. The amount of tension and um, back and forth. It's a, it's a weird relationship seeing sponsors go back and forth between um, the influencers and the, and the sponsors. It is, um, they're always very interesting like relationships to navigate and it never fails, especially if you're talking about getting multiple sponsors that um, it ties you down and in many ways puts you in a cage as far as what you're able to do, the types of content that you can put out. So if somebody just says, you know, Hey, my end goal is I like, I want to hunt for a living or I want to put out hunting content. So I need sponsors to pay for that. Then my first thought would be like, well, Let's see if maybe there are some other ways that you can fulfill that dream of hunting and putting out hunting content without going the sponsorship route because that may actually be better for you. Because if you can work a job or work some job in the outdoor industry that allows you to go on your four or five hunts a year and bring a video guy with you, you know, that may actually be the route to go. Of course, you look at guys like Cameron Haynes, which is a massive name in the industry, probably the most popular bow hunter in the nation, um, or at least the most followers, I think. And sure, he's sponsored by like Under Armour. Um, but he also worked like a nine to five job 
like on into his hunting career. He before. still does. He still does. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. he, he doesn't make 100% of his income purely off of that. So that's something I would encourage you to look into is like, do you really want to go the route of your entire income being based off of whether a sponsor sees you as valuable to your audience or not? Mm-hmm. So that's the philosophical answer. The so basically t- make sure that that is exactly what you want to do. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Because it's, I mean, it can get dicey. It can get dicey. And I'm talking to guys right now, especially after COVID, who, um, and most of the guys that I've worked with so far have been like smaller names. So like Pursuit Channel and down. So nobody in the in the sportsman or outdoor channel. But um, what they're running into is sponsors who are just like cutting them. Like, oh, we have a three-year deal. Well, I'm just going to pay half the contract and get out of it mm-hmm. because we don't see you as valuable to the company anymore. And, like, you can have good relationships with the people in the company, but at the end of the day, like, they've got to, you know, they've got to turn their profit too. Right. Um, and, and I can vouch for we've been, we've been seeing that for, for people all throughout the spectrum. I mean, mm-hmm. I think it's just part of the climate right now. Mm-hmm. There's there's just a lot of and it was there's a lot of volatility. Mm-hmm. It was happening it was happening before COVID, and then COVID just like pushed it over the edge. So, um, but as far as tactically, what you can do, if if you had to like set out, these are the specific goals that I need to hit. Um, I've helped a couple of I've helped a couple of different influencers put together, like. Basically, basically every time they renew a contract or like apply for like a sponsorship contract, they have to fill out a list of details, which basically like lists out how many impressions they're getting, how many views they're getting per month, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I would figure out how much it is that you need to make to do what it is that you need to do, whether that's 500 bucks a month or whether that's 5,000 bucks a month. And then based off of if you could get because we're seeing influencers go from anywhere from $10 per thousand views to like $50 or $60 per thousand views, depending on like how well known they are. Mm-hmm. Figure out how many impressions you have to get in order to make that amount of money. Yeah. So like if you have to get, like if you say, I don't necessarily want to go full time, but I need 500 bucks a month to justify what I'm doing. Well, how many impressions would you have to get at ten dollars per thousand impressions to get five hundred bucks a month? Mm-hmm. And then go to that company that maybe it's just one company in the beginning, and go to that company um, and say, "Hey, I'm getting this many thousand impressions a month. What would it be worth to you per month if I put out four posts, one post a week for you, or whatever it was, or made a video for you every every two weeks? Mm-hmm. And you're getting this many impressions from it at ten at ten at ten dollars per thousand impression." Like, would you be able to, would you be willing to do this deal and negotiate with them? And there's got to be some negotiating to it. And that's a very basic level of how I see it working right now mm-hmm. because like social media is such a new game and like it's, there's not always set CPM, which a CPM is like cost per thousand in, like impressions. So, mm-hmm. you know, some influencers, like I'm working with one right now who's getting paid like $58 per, per thousand, which is like compared to what most social media influencers are getting it's, it's quite a bit. So like the rate varies mm-hmm. um, and basically build, build your audience to the point that you're getting the impressions necessary for it to be worth it to the brand that you desire to work with. That would be my like very basic level. So, idea. so on a building side of things, okay. what are a couple of practical 
things somebody can be doing to try to build their audience? <laughs> you want to talk about dollar eighty? Talk about whatever you want. Yeah. Okay. I, I want I want stuff that like me, Ryer, who wants to uh, start building my audience, whether that's for me or whether that's for maybe a brand that I I am a part of. Um, whatever it is, like okay. I want I want to know how I can build the impression so that I am marketable. So know, to whatever it is to whoever it is that I maybe want to be marketable to. The the thing that so so I'll preface I, I want to go into this next step very carefully and, and make sure that I put it out there that I'm not an influencer. I, I am a field staff on a, on a show where I'm sponsored. So I do get, you know, mm-hmm. my impressions do technically sell, but I'm not like tied to that. My, what I will say is that towards the end of the season, I, I guess late November last year, I decided, okay, if I'm going to work with influencers, I need to know how influencer, like I need to know how building an account works. So I started actually setting out to build my account mm-hmm. until then. I didn't necessarily care. Cause I was kind of like what I talked about earlier. I was like, I don't necessarily need a ton of followers. I just need the right people to see it. Right. But then I was like, well, if I'm going to work with these people to help them build their accounts, I need to also make sure I know how to do it myself. Mm-hmm. So I'll preface what I'm about to say by saying this is just some of the things that I've done since like the beginning of December um, of 2020 until the end of, what is this, February now? Yeah, we're about in March. Okay. So um, beginning of December to beginning of March, what is that, three months? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So at the beginning of December, I was at right about 800 followers. Mm-hmm. Right now I'm sitting at about 2,335, all organic, no, no like follow, unfollow, um, no like paid, like buying followers or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So um, 1,500 followers roughly gained over the course of three months and it's been all organic. So if you're talking specifically about getting more impressions and building an audience of people who actually engage with your content, um, basically what I've been doing is kind of what we talked about the other day. Should we, I said dollar 80. So I feel like I should do some explaining to that. You can explain it when it becomes relevant. Like okay. you don't have to say dollar 80 right now. Okay. Y'all just keep that in the back of your heads and we will explain that. Okay. So just go through, start, start to finish however you wanted to. So basically my thought process is, well, there, if you're going to try and build followers with the purpose of like selling on the impressions, then they need to be followers who, there needs to be an audience that's like within the niche that you're trying to get sponsored in, right? Mm -hmm. So the outdoor industry. So how do I build a following of people in the outdoor industry, whether it be creatives or whether it be um, like actual hunters? So the first step before anything else was like start actually putting out that kind of content. Mm-hmm. Start putting out the types of photos and videos that's going to appeal and bring value to the people who are in that niche. So that was the first thing. It's like when somebody looks at your page, like, oh, this is a person who I, I'd like to follow. Exactly. And you've got content that catches their eye and interests them. Yep. Yep. Um, and I won't go into the details of like, like how to take the photos or anything like no. that. And if yeah. anybody who wants to know how to set up, you're like the most um, ergonomic way to set up your bio and lay out your stories and I'll like you can google that like because it changes on a monthly basis yeah but um, and there's a lot of that's a very very yeah. subjective and stylistic thing as well the the number one thing and I do use some hashtags on my post um on like I guess relevant hashtags just because I feel like there's some 
organic traffic that comes to my page from it, but 90%, 99% of it is not from hashtags. The absolute killer for me has been engaging on people's pages and posts that I currently do not follow slash do not follow me. Mm-hmm. The reason I came to this was because um, I started, so I was looking through some some Gary V content, right. and he talked about like how, for the most part, organic reach on Instagram is dead. The days of just posting a photo and people randomly seeing it is no longer there. It's too saturated. It's too saturated. There's way more content being distributed, and there's well, only so much see, attention. I don't even see all the posts from the people I follow on well, my right. feed. Well, you think about it just like hunting, not to interrupt you, but like people doing hashtags. I guarantee you 99.8% of hunting photos out there have the hashtag hunting. Right. Yep. Well, it's so oversaturated, no one's going to scroll down that far to define if you posted it yesterday with hashtag hunting everything that's been posted in the last 10 minutes is way oversaturated that timeline yeah right yep so unless you're one of those people who can consistently find yourself in a featured post on a hashtag then the chances of you actually being seen organically through a hashtag is very little it's another reason why i don't do it so however what i have done so and uh, this is i'll introduce the the dollar 80 strategy so there. Gary Vaynerchuk has this thing called the dollar 80 strategy where basically he said every day go into the top, um, the top, what did he say? The top 10 hashtags Mm -hmm. in your niche. So like if you were trying to grow a hunting um, page, go into whitetail hunting, archery life, um, archery season, you know, pick your, pick your, your 10. And there's tools out there you can use to do to find these hashtags. Exactly. Research and find the ten that are the biggest. Yep. And then each of those ten is going to have nine featured posts. So that's ninety posts so far. And then his like his like punchline is go into each of those posts and leave your two cents on each of those posts. So go in if somebody posts a picture of a buck, legitimately go in, look at their page. Hey man, nice buck, congratulations. Or like you see a picture of somebody saying like in the stand again, grinding or whatever they you know whatever it is they're saying, like their photo. Good luck, man. Hope you get one. Mm-hmm. You know, or whatever whatever it is. Or like sitting at the office wishing I could be in the stand. You know, engage with them. Be don't don't just like hop in there and drop like a thumbs up and a fire emoji, but like actually engage with them. Well, I and could then, say um, you could probably say honestly like everybody knows what that is now. Yeah, like it's not. If I get one of those, I'm to the point where if I see one of those, I almost want to Delete comment it. something sarcastic. Oh, I do. Because cause it's so spammy. When I get, like, clothing companies that do that on my page, I just, yeah. like, I'll, like, put, like, a throw-up emoji. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's so we'd, spammy. We'd love to collaborate. Send us a DM. Nope. <laughs> How about I send you this block notification? Yeah, so, so, um, to, so yeah. to that point, don't just, like, Put a thumbs up. Like, say something meaningful right. that you actually feel. And something crazy happens when you engage with people. They look at your page. Yeah. They're like, who is this guy? And then if they look at your page, get this, and they like the content that you're putting out, they will follow you. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's been basically the, you know, if you're, if you're going to say, hey, like, just real quick, like, how could I, like, amass a following? You know, I can't give an answer necessarily for everybody, but I know the fact that I've been able to put on 1500 followers in the last three months has something. And, and there are people who are like actually engaging with my post. I went from right. when I would put out a hunting picture to getting from getting like six likes 
because even though I had 800 followers, they weren't all people who were into hunting. Right. Um, it wasn't a rel- relative audience. I went from getting like six likes per post to getting, um, like right now, I'll, I'll get anywhere from like 100 to like 130, mm-hmm. which in the grand scheme of things isn't massive, but it's like, that's a how, like thousand times or that's a, a, lot. a thousand percent increase. Especially when you consider the fact that the l- the less followers you have on Instagram, the harder the harder it is to grow. Exactly. Like in the if you have a, only a few followers, Instagram really isn't putting your stuff. Yep. And and, and also you don't have that social proof, yep. right? If you go to a page and they got forty five thousand followers, mm-hmm. you're like immediately you you're like, oh, there must be something here. Mm-hmm. If you've only got five hundred followers, people are like, oh, well, hmm. yeah. Let's see what's up. So so that was the first one. The that was that was the main thing was the hashtags going into the hashtags and doing that. Um, if you wanted to get really tactical. Nine times out of ten, if you land on a smaller page that only has three or four hundred followers, and you comment on their post or like their post, they're they're more likely to follow you back than somebody who has ten thousand, mm-hmm. because they have less information and clogging up their feed. Um, so so that's a thing. The other thing was you mentioned social proof. If you have somebody who um, you follow who has a big following or has who who has a loyal following, maybe you follow somebody who has ten or fifteen thousand followers, or maybe you you like get followed back by somebody like, um, like I did, like I got fault. Like when I met Sydney Wells, she followed me back. Actually, we follow each other on Instagram. Something crazy happens. Like whenever you like go into her followers and start like engaging with her followers, they will see that you are followed by her. And when they see that somebody that they look up to follows you, they will also like a lot of times they will also follow you back. Didn't work. I've worked here since July 26, and I've gained like 15 followers. Well, Caleb's, <laughs> Caleb's audience is they see enough of you. They don't want any more. I I like to think fair there, enough. Our our content our our funnel is there's the hunting industry people who like hunting. Mm-hmm. Then there's Copeland Creative, which we can catch a lot of those people because we post cool content stuff. But also we're narrowing it down because now we're a production company and like that inherently is going to narrow the amount of people who are interested in like seeing production things. And then you've got redneck tech, which is like even narrower hunting content creations, right? Which is a super, like that's like a super niche. Yeah. Almost. And by the way, if you're lucky enough to meet somebody or know somebody, then that's a great start. Like I met Sydney and we, and we knew each other, but there's also been people that I didn't know that I just, I was like, if I could build this connection with them, it would be really good. Plus, I also, I also really enjoyed following their content because they actually put out good stuff. Right. If you consistently engage on their posts, even though their feed may be blown up with all the hundreds of people who are commenting, if they see you consistently over time engaged in their community, there's also a good chance that they'll give you a follow back too. Because you're supporting them. Because you're supporting them. And believe it or not, the people on the other side of that app are also humans just like you are. Well, 100%, like, just me managing the the co-creative and the and the redneck tech pages like um you get to like i i get to be familiar with people's usernames and and you know there's there's people who comment a lot and and um respond to a lot of the stories and people who ask questions and all that stuff and i start to become familiar with them and i start to feel like you know i know them even though you know we've never met in real life a lot of these people, but, mm-hmm. um, they're always interacting with these pages and I'm always interacting with them. And it's, it's like a cool kind of, I don't know, virtual friendship, friendship. Yep. I mean, it's, it's, it, you it's get to same. know people that way. It, if this and I feel like I know them and they, they, 
probably feel like they know me too because of the interaction that we have in, in on the pages. If this was the 1800s, we would all be going to the town square to mm-hmm. communicate with each other and try and meet people and build connections. Yeah. Well, it's 2021, and the town square is now on the top five communication platforms that exist on our phones. It's the same concept. Go to where the people are who you want to connect with and connect with them and provide value to them that makes them want to connect with you back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and and to the end that some people will say, like, oh, man, I don't want a message, or I don't want to comment on that page. Like, you know, I'm, I'm just me. I don't have that many followers. They're this big, huge person, or this, that, and the other kind of being maybe embarrassed about it. Like, I think unless the person that you're doing that is just a jerk, in which case, you know, you'll know that. Like, I don't think anybody is is going to be weird or judgmental about about you doing that if if you're authentically engaging especially right? like, not if they click on your page now and you have 60 followers and then a month from now they click on it and you have 140 and then later they like right. somewhere down the line you have you've built you know people respect the grind right and and the same thing like i genuinely i love uh the redneck tech page and the Redneck Tech audience and the Copeland Creative page and the Copeland Creative audience. And I love all the interactions that I get to have with all these people who come from all over the United States, all different walks of life, uh, all different kinds of personalities. Like, to me, it's so much fun. And, you know, like, obviously, the reason that we do Redneck Tech is because we love to help people learn how to do what we do. Um, but like I get so much fulfillment from all of those interactions and making all of those connections and building all of those like friendships. Right. And I think that I'm not alone in that. I feel like Mm -hmm. people who have pages are, are for the most part, like me, if you're authentically engaging and, and you're, you know, commenting and, uh, sharing and and uh, replying and stuff like that, like people love that. We're uh, everybody's just a person, and everybody wants to feel like you know people out there value them, value what they do, especially on a on a creative platform, are valuing the content that they put out and are enjoying that content. Like, I I there's literally zero reason to not. Yeah. Engage with people. Yeah. I got this job solely off of because I saw a ha- I saw the hashtag the hunting photographer. Mm-hmm. Was searching through it just to see what was on there. Saw Copeland Creative. Searched through Copeland Creative's Instagram. Saw what I like to do a lot is tap on photos and see what people tag. Products, people, mm-hmm. whatever. Saw that Caleb had tagged Redneck Tech on one of his photos. Looked it up on iTunes. Uh, first one I ever listened to was the week that he posted podcast number seven. Don't remember what it was, but it was podcast number seven. Listened all the way back through one through six, listened to seven, started listening to the podcast, followed him and Redneck Tech on Instagram, started engaging on posts, that he, or not, not engaging on posts. I don't engage, I don't comment on photos on posts. I just, I just, I don't do it, but I will engage in stories. 
And DMs are huge too, which yes, which that that honestly, depending on the situation, may even be a bigger deal. Mm-hmm. That's what I was doing. Um, I would DM him questions that I would have, mm-hmm. and he wouldn't if he he would answer it right away, unless he was going to do a podcast on it very soon. Yep. And then he'd tell me, "Hey, I'm going to answer it in the podcast." All right, I'd listen to the podcast. So he was driving me to his podcast, get the question answered. Goes on, goes on, goes on. Redneck Tech and Copeland Creative end up following me. I end up getting to meet Caleb because I was asking him enough questions that I felt comfortable enough to hound the absolute crap out of him about, <laughs> I'll come work for you one weekend for free. I just want to meet you and learn. Yeah. Had me down to do the fishing thing with Jamie the first time that you had to go back and do. Down the kayak, oh, yeah. shoal, yeah, shoal yeah, bass yeah. thing that sucked. Mm-hmm. Um, that was in... The fall of, or sorry, the summer of 19. Summer of 69? No, it'd be 19. (laughs) The summer of 19. Pop culture reference. um, The spring of 2020, Caleb freelanced me to do two jobs. Mm -hmm. January, I moved up here and started working full-time. Yep. Solely off the fact that, And and I wasn't, I didn't go on searching, hunting photographer, looking for a job. Yep. I just yeah. found someone that did cool tent content off something that I liked. Right. Personal connection. Just literally, and I needed help with stuff, so I was asking him questions. I wasn't asking him questions to get a job. I was just asking him questions off of stuff I actually had questions about. And right. the cool thing is Caleb could have looked at that and been like, like he could have way back then, even Caleb not enjoying social media the way that it seems like he doesn't enjoy it, he could have said this isn't worth my time and not done it. Mm-hmm. It maybe have been fine, but... When you look at like you, you say, well, what's what's the ROI on me as a business putting out content that I don't make direct cash from? Well, the ROI is, and whenever it come time that Caleb needed to scale up and hire somebody to do work for him, he didn't have to worry about going through two or three um, videographers that used to be freelancers, but now are like full time videographers and trying to teach them in the culture. He was able to go back and say, here's this guy who has been asking me questions on. He's a fan of the podcast. He's familiar with me and my tone. He knows the things that he know. He knows the culture of how I shoot videos somewhat because he's learned it from me telling him answers. So mm-hmm. I can bring him on, do a couple of freelance shoots, and if that works out, go from there. So it's good for Caleb because you know he saves resources in the long run because he doesn't have to go through a hundred different videographers. But also, I mean, you know, it's a business. He's also profiting off of you being here, and it's good for you. Because otherwise, I mean... I mean, I'm profiting off of me being here. I'm getting a paycheck, so... (laughs) You could be working at a desk doing Excel spreadsheets or shooting, like, dental videos. Yeah. You know what I mean? So Or weddings. God, those suck. Oh, gosh, yeah. Can't say that. I still have another one to do. Weddings suck. So, you know, the ROI isn't always obvious, but connection is always a good thing. Yeah. In my opinion. And it's the same thing it's always been, right? The... At the end of the day, no matter what you're doing, if you can develop a personal connection, you will do better at whatever it is. If you're looking for a job, having a personal connection, knowing somebody, uh, having a network Mm -hmm. is how you're going to get a job Um, at at a high level. Go ahead. And just kind of because I feel like we're kind of we're kind of finished with this. I just want to add one more thing for people who do want to be influencers. Um, I, I have, 
I want to say this for the purpose of, of maybe being historically correct because this hasn't happened yet, but I, I want to make kind of a prediction of where I see things going. Mm, a prediction. Um, dun, dun, dun. So this dramatic. No, uh, maybe, maybe. I, I think it it could it could take a lot of people off. I think. We're, I'm here for it. So, <laughs> if you are, I, I think the I think the market for influencers who aren't fifty thousand followers, but who are actually five to fifteen thousand followers, which is actually very attainable for the majority of people. I think the market for those type of influencers is actually going way up. 100% agree. Um, and that may not necessarily be a cash deal. That may be a free bow from Fred Bear or whoever, not throwing names out or anything, but they're kind of one of the brands that's taking advantage of that right now and growing because of it. You know, um, like the market for those type of influencers is growing, and I think it's going to continue to grow because these outdoor brands are going to realize that the money that they're spending on these some of these big guys on TV isn't worth what maybe it was five or ten years ago or maybe even two years ago. So don't be discouraged because you only have 500 followers because I'm, there's a girl that I connected with in Oklahoma who had, when I first connected with her, she had 8,000 followers. And now she's like yeah, around fourteen or 15,000, but she's gotten sponsored. And I don't think they're all money sponsors, but she's definitely getting free product and it has helped her be able to hunt, which for a lot of people... That's is, all they want. That's all they want. If they can, if they can fund the hunting, fund the hunting, and then all they have to worry about is buying tags or like you know some gear, then that's huge, right? So don't again think the same the same question that that Caleb will often ask people when they say, "Hey, I want to have a show. Mm-hmm. What's the point of the show? What do yep. you want to get out of it? Exactly. Do you want it because you just want to see yourself? Do you want it because you like want to make enough money to cover the show?" and cover your hunts, uh, you know, at some cool places? Uh, or do you want it because you want to make this your full-time career? Yeah. Is is the show going to be your avenue to that? Or any number of other things. I mean, it could be a combination of those things. Yep. It could be like, you know, maybe it's a creative outlet, but you got to know what that is. So then you can take that and go, okay, if the goal is this, mm-hmm. I need to get here. And now you've got benchmarks and you can start working towards them. Yep. So that that's massive. The second side of that is there's something that we, we mentioned that I think maybe maybe we take we take for granted in the conversation that I think is important to mention. You said building connections and relationships with people. Mm-hmm. You actually have to enjoy reaching out to people. You can't just spam people. You got to right. want the conversation. And the reason I say that is because I predict this is another this is one part of that prediction that I think that there's going to be a huge influ- a huge market for new influencers. I have met several people in the outdoor industry over the last 5 years that it was extremely discouraging to me how and this was just me knowing them on a surface level. Some of them a little bit deeper. It was discouraging to me how little they thought of their fans. And they're able to get away with that because up until up until recently, they put their show on the Outdoor Channel and the impressions came from the channel, so they were able to sell against that. Mm-hmm. But we're entering a time where your influence with your community is going to be so dependent upon your interaction with them. And it's so much more personal. And it's so much more personal that those people who have just been in it for, and again, this is just my opinion, we'll see how it plays out. I want to I go back and revisit this in five years and see, but the people who are just in it for the money and like have disdain for their 
<laughs> for their followers, for however that works, the people who are like putting yeah. food into your kid's mouth, but the people, yeah. the, the big names who don't appreciate the people who follow them are not going to be able to carry over that same level of personability whenever, as this communication shift continues to come full swing. And that's another reason that I think that there's going to be a huge market for smaller influencers and new people to come in and take over as the face of the industry. Well, and, and you have to think too, like everybody, you know that, right? It, as an individual, you can feel that. And it's always that thing. It's like, you know, um, it's it, it, not necessarily this, but, you know, people say never meet your heroes. They'll just let you down yep. because you you build up this vision of this celebrity to be a certain way and this is how they act on on TV or this is how they act in the movies or this is how they act now on social media mm-hmm. and you meet them and they're not like that. Yep. Maybe they're a jerk to you and that hurts a lot, right? It, 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 it really hurts an individual to have this vision of somebody and to almost feel that rejection yep. from that person. And for a long time, you, the only people who would experience that are like if you ran into that person on the streets, right? But now with social media, there is a, a almost endless opportunities for people to, to feel that about a celebrity or about an influencer. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe not in such a dramatic way, right? Because it's very dramatic when you meet somebody and they're mean to you. But think of like if you if you comment on something or, or you interact with something and you just nothing. Crickets. You don't get a response, you don't get a Dude. like on the comment, or you do, like you don't feel like the people who ran this account like saw it or validated it. Like you're like, Oh well I have that doesn't make me feel like great. And and it's a it's a small thing. Yeah. But as an individual, you want people to to give like to interact with you, and then if you don't get it, it hurts. And as a as a business and as a person who has a social media, and and if you're a person who's trying to build an audience, like you mm-hmm. you have to interact and value and enjoy genuinely your audience. I, I it's have, imperative, I think. Absolutely, I have. And if this blow, this is the thing that blows my mind about the last three months, my social experiment that I've been telling mm-hmm. you about. I have people who hit me up continuously in my DMs like so during hunting season. So full 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 disclosure, as much as I love the outdoors and hunting, my hunting experience is actually somewhat limited. I've killed deer with my rifle. I've never killed a buck with a bow. That was like my thing that I set out to try and do this past season. So I'm not by any means like even though I've been around it a lot, I'm not like a super experienced hunter. I'm mm-hmm. not, you know, that's not me. But I'm like I have kids who are like high school or maybe a little bit older or maybe a little bit younger who during hunting season found my account after like me starting to reach out and like still DMing me on a consistent basis. Mm -hmm. Like, like, Hey man, like saw that you went out to the stand, like hope you get one. Like, because in like I would DM them back and the more that I would DM them back or that I would comment back on their posts, the more they would engage with me. And it's like, I don't ever plan to like necessarily capitalize on a big audience, but it's amazing to me that instead of him, hitting up Michael Waddell, who's a far more, or, you know, that's, that's kind of a a glamorized um, person, but like, so, okay, look, look at archery instead of him hitting up like John Dudley or something like that. Right. 
he's like engaging with me and DMing me once or twice a week because yeah. I'm engaging back with him. That's not a knock on Dudley. Dudley has so many people hitting up his DMs that he couldn't possibly get back to everybody. Right. But that just goes to show that there's a market for building an audience that not everybody like not everybody can fill. There's so right. much opportunity out there. And um and who knows where those like relationships could go. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So Yeah, and I think no matter what level of of the game you're at, I think it's important to, like you said, just be humble and really mm. uh, understand and know that you got to be in it for the right reasons. Yeah. You have to. Yeah. There, people are so intuitive. And if you're not in it, and like you said, the reason that you don't like some of the influencers pushing products is because you can feel through how they portray or how they act that they're just pushing products to make money. They're doing it for the gram. Right. As opposed to a, maybe somebody who has less followers, but they, they have a product that they push and you're, you respect their opinion. You respect them as an individual. You um, have a good opinion of them because of how they interact and how they are. You're so much more likely to take their opinion on that product in in a good way, in a way that will influence potentially how you spend your dollars on that product. A good influencer will tell you when something is good, and a good influencer will tell you when something sucks, in my opinion. Yeah, and, and, and you know, it's, it's important for everybody to just, like, if you're, I think this goes for everything. I think that we as people have gotten to the point where, like we see social media as as this way to portray our lives in in a way that you know is glorious and everything's good and cool and fun and this that and the other and you can use social media basically as a lens to distort your life however you want it right you you social media is is a is a almost an editing software for your life right you can show the good parts and you can hide all the bad parts and obviously you don't want to put all of your personal yeah. baggage out on social, but at the same time, you do need to be authentic. I feel like on social and people genuinely connect with that authenticity mm-hmm. and they will appreciate it. And then you have an audience that connects with you as an individual likes you for who you are. And because of that, you can connect with them because you can just be yourself. Yep. You don't have to be anybody else. And that now there's no disconnect between who you are online or who you are on in the brand and who you are here with how you interact with people because yep. it's the same thing. And you don't have to worry about like any, you don't have to worry about people not liking you or being self-conscious about it because you're being, you're being authentically yourself. And by the way, when you are in, and so, okay. Oh yeah, this is so good. So, <laughs> um, you mentioned earlier, like putting out the content. Well, we talked earlier about putting out the content that you like to put out. Right. If you are constantly putting up a front and just posting things that you think is going to get likes, I mm-hmm. promise you it's going to get exhausting. Yeah. And it may be it's tedious. Not sustainable. It may be, right. It may be tedious for you, even, th- even though right now, because you, f- you may feel like you're still learning the platform or for whatever reason, it may still be tedious for you to go through the, the process of putting out these posts, but it's not you don't run the risk of, okay, let's say hypothetically I go on and I front on social media and I'm just doing it for the likes and I'm making, I'm 
building this persona of myself that isn't real. Mm-hmm. So two things happen there. One, it's not sustainable. You're going to drive yourself up a wall. The other side of it is, and I'm not a clinical psychologist by any means, but there's so there's so many studies pointing to the fact that when you do that, their subconscious, um, something happens in your subconscious when you feel like you're putting out content and people don't actually like you for who you are. They're liking you for who you're pretending to be. Mm-hmm. There's so many bad side effects from that. Well, it's essentially you're you're creating this idealized portrait of yourself yeah. that you know you can't live up to. And inherently, I think you as an individual, if you have this like higher version and you can't live up to mm-hmm. it, you're going to be unhappy. Yeah. Because you're in, you're basically telling yourself, "Hey, uh, I'm not good enough. I'm not I'm not this, I'm not that, so I need to make it look like I'm this." Yeah. And I think your brain is like, "Well, if 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 he feels like he needs to make himself this way, then there must mm-hmm. be something wrong." And I want to piggyback off of what you said earlier about the the relatable content and like showing an inside like story of your life. My three most liked photos of all time, when my post about when my grandmother died, mm-hmm. my post about when my grandfather died, and my post when I got my second college degree. Mm-hmm. I found the one about your grandfather the other day when I was scroll. I like went back and scrolled through your Instagram and like, yeah. it hit me hard. Yeah, like everyone that knows me, not everybody, ninety percent of people that know me know me as Clay, the guy that films hunting. Right. And my three most liked photos are those three. Two deaths and a college graduation. Yeah. The two fo- the the two photos about my grandparents or posts about my grandparents' deaths are like the most recent photos like four four year four four years ago. The photo about my graduation is taken on an Android from my dad in his kitchen holding my just degree in my hands. Mm-hmm. Like Horrible, horrible photos. And this goes on to the algorithm, kind of piggybacking off of what you were saying. I know we weren't going to get into algorithms, but I don't want people to think that they can just do what you did for three months and then stop. No, I mean, I'm continuously doing it. Yeah, but I don't want people to think they can just do it for three months and stop and have all those followers because I just went, like an idiot, went back to school. I'm getting a marketing degree. I just wrote a four-page paper on Instagram. And they're Why al- didn't you tell me this? And their al- <laughs> and their algorithms. I didn't know you were doing research. And their algorithms, but well, I gotta save a little something, <laughs> something for myself. Um, I don't really like. I don't inst- really like how you've been handling this. Insta- you got your own personal notes. You've got your own little research projects over there. And a four-page dissertation. And a four-page dissertation. Like, what is the end game? Instagram. Are you trying to take my job? Instagram. <laughs> I do not want your job. Instagram is known to unfollow people for you and follow people for you. So if how do I want to how do I want to word this? You have to post the same relatable content all the time in order to be put in front of the people that you're trying to market to. Mm-hmm. So the way I understood it in my research, Rye Reporter, is that and tell me if I'm wrong because you actually do this, Chris. But if I, if you take my page for example, I usually post twice a week because I don't care. I really don't care. If I post 
two hunting posts, like say on a Monday or a Thursday, my odds of being put in front of the hunting industry people or whatever goes up like 4%. If I, if I did the math and the algorithm correctly, as soon as I post something about my college graduation, it drops down to like astronomical negative percentages, like to where I would have to post seven or eight more hunting related content posts in a row just to get back to neutral. Yeah. So you have to post the same type of content on the same regular schedule forever in order to continue to grow. If that made any sense. So the, so the like, moral of the story is it's social media is not a hey we build it and then correct it, it stays, right? It's but, not a building. You can't just build it and be done with correct. it. Correct. So like continually on, you need to continually uh, put content out there. Like like on like on Cope Creative when we do all this stuff about like people that we're filming or projects we're working on, mm-hmm. we're continually growing and growing and growing and growing. And then when we took Caleb's son hunting a couple weeks ago and we posted that photo of him sitting on the Diamondback, mm-hmm. instantly killed our growth as far as what the algorithm's concerned. Yeah, but also in the, I know that that's what the algorithm does, but at the same time, like part of my my paralysis is like just on my own personal page is my like look at all the different things we take photos of i and maybe this is me because i am a person who thrives on variety i don't want to on my personal page i don't want to post like within a right. clean little right and that, little that's niche that's because i'm i don't live my life inside of that and and my work does not reflect that and i think the same thing goes for like the cope creative right we do a good variety of work, and I think we it's safe to say we all enjoy doing that. Right. Like, I love to make a hunting video, but also I had a great time making a trailer video, right? And then uh, the Keys trip is in the ocean, and then we'll do turkey trips, and then we'll do whitetail here and elk here, and, you know, we've, we've got some other projects that are entirely outside that whole scope, and it's like, so you can either be a slave to the algorithm or you can create an audience that is engaged who enjoys seeing that variety, which is what we do, and allow that to drive your engagement and drive your growth. Well, and the algorithm is so botched that it is, it's, it is so botched that it's continually changing to the fact that you can't keep up with it. No. You've been over there smirking, and so I need to know what it is that you're smirking about. I probably because everything I just said is in like so far out in space; it's not even. Chris close. is for those of you who are listening, for those of you who are watching, you've seen this. But he's this entire conversation back and forth that 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 Clay and I have been having. He's been over there smirking and looking at his phone. I've been saying, I've been watching, I've been watching you, Chris, <laughs> and. Uh, I need to know what it is that he is smirking about. Okay. Caleb might be watching this if you wanted to say hi to him. <laughs> he says hi. Caleb, your dad says hey. So what is it that you're smirking about, Chris? That's Caleb's dad? Yes. Yeah. Can we get him on the podcast? I have so many questions. <laughs> I have so many questions. Okay. Um, 
No, so I th- I think he he would like to be in front of the camera le- so like exponentially less than less Caleb would, and that's a, that's and Caleb something. already hates being in front of the camera. Okay, so this conversation is so nuanced. It's so nuanced because it is. In, in my opinion, it goes back to it goes back to what we talked about earlier about what is the purpose of your page, right? Because maybe the content, like may, maybe maybe you're like, um, maybe the likes that you're constantly getting on your post may go down for a period of time. I, I can't I can't deny that because I've like I've seen that. My my argument would maybe lie more on the side of is that a, like does that necessarily matter? Yeah. Oh yeah. Don't take my advice. I have seven hundred and seventy four followers. Do not take my advice. Well, no. I was just speaking off of what my research told me. That paper did get me an A, by the way. But and, just and, saying. And by the Let way, me ghost write I one have for you. I have twenty three hundred. Let me but, ghost write one. But I have like. <laughs> There are people with a hundred thousand who would probably disagree with me on this because I've, yeah. I've heard very outspoken people, like in the social media world, who get super ticked at Instagram because of their algorithm. So my measly like twenty, you're not, your follower count doesn't necessarily um, like pin you as anything. But so kind of what you're talking about, yeah, it may it may drop your um, your residual likes for a period of time, but is that necessarily a bad thing? Because like what we talked about earlier, the purpose of Cope Creative may not necessarily be to build a massive following in order to monetize off of them. The right. purpose of Cope Creative may be to build a comprehensive portfolio and to show people the types of content that can be expected and the type of people that you're working with and to keep people updated on the work that you're currently doing. Right. And then when somebody says, oh, I'm looking for a production company and they land on your page, whether that be from somebody referring them to you Mm-hmm. or whether that's them finding you organically because they search a hashtag for outdoors production or whatever it is. Right. Um, that that content is there, regardless of what that does to your... Because what Instagram is going to do, and the reason that, that it does that, for the best that I can tell, is because the Instagram algorithm is really good at doing one thing, keeping people on the app. Right. Right. And it knows that as much as I love you, Clay that I'm not going to engage with your college degree as much as what I'm going to engage with you in the field. Clay's not going to engage with you at all on Instagram unless you DM him. So, well, the purpose (laughs) of me saying that is Instagram knows me so well because it's had data on me from since 2010 or whatever, 2012, whatever it is. It's got however many years of data on me that it knows that even if it's just a fraction of a percent, I'm more likely to keep scrolling or to like back off or whatever it is if I see one type of post versus another, which is why we so often see posts from the same people over and over and over again. And we may mm-hmm. get mad at that, but at the end of the day, whether we want to admit it or not, it's based on our own behavior. Right. Because oh, we are more likely yeah. to engage with them, even if it's something that we hate, because God knows I hate seeing New York Times articles on my Facebook feed. I hate it. Or political posts. But however, Facebook knows that I'm going to engage with it, and it knows I'm going to look at the... It knows, it knows I'm going to look at what people say on the post and then comment back. And it, no, it doesn't know what you're doing is trolling. Yeah, it, it just it, sees it doesn't that care. It now doesn't you're care. here on this post spending three hours talking to another user. Well, it, yes. does, it doesn't care what yeah. I'm doing on the post because when I open the article to see whatever BS the New York Times put out, it knows that it's going to be able to serve me an ad within that article which they're going to monetize off of. Right. Yep. Instagram quantifies if they if they run a... Um, and I know this for a fact cause I read it off of Instagram. Um, like their, 
uh, whatever it is, like how you can make money on Instagram, like official yeah. analytics or whatever, that if you run a, pray, a paid promotion on Instagram and someone is scrolling through Instagram and they scroll past it and never pause on it, mm-hmm. they can quantify that to $1 in profit. You don't even have to touch it. You don't have to pause long enough to read one word on that paid promotion. But if Amazon runs or small rig runs something for a camera cage on Instagram on your po- on your page and you just scroll through it and don't even stop on it, they can quantify that in the long run to a dollar of profit. Well, because and how they can do that is because it's based on impression. So like one of the most common like you in marketing school, I'm sure you guys have looked all over the, the numerous like KPIs that there yep. are for measuring mm-hmm. K- KPIs, key performance um, indicator. So a CPM is one of the most um, I guess the most like the most used because it's basically any time that any time that you, some, somebody sees your content, it's considered an impression whether they interact with it or not. Correct. So what they can do is they can say, well, based on your scrolling speed, they know even though you didn't engage with it, they know that you at least saw the name or you at least saw that it was that recognizable. Yep. So they can serve that as as an impression. You might not look at the camera cage or click on it, but you saw small rig. Right. Which we can talk about psychologically whether or not that actually does anything for right. them or not. But, um, yeah, so at, at the end of the day, they're able to build impressions off of that, which is how Facebook makes their money or an Instagram makes their money. You don't pay Facebook and you don't pay Instagram to be on their platform. Your data and them being able to advertise based off of your information is what pays Mark Zuckerberg's bills. Yeah, I think we can get way yeah. off into the weeds of this yeah, and so. all of that. but. There's a cool documentary on Netflix that covers this. Uh, I don't know if you've seen it. I'm, I'm trying to think of it. Um, I'm so scared to watch any documentary about social media because I'm so scared that I'm going to disagree with what they say. Well, I watched it. Is it good? It was really good. It's called The Social Dilemma. And essentially what it is is it's um, it's a bunch of people who worked for social media companies at some point. Uh, mm-hmm. in various roles, a lot of them in developmental roles, basically talking about the original purposes of, of, of social media and then how it evolved into what it is today and <clears throat> the mechanisms that they put in place to um, basically run these uh, run these social media companies and run these apps um, for better or worse. And... Uh, it's really interesting how they pose these questions. It's really interesting. They do some like little scenes where essentially they, they it's almost like if, have you seen inside out mm-hmm. inside out's that Disney movie where it's about the emotions in somebody's head, like controlling them. Um, but basically they kind of phrase it like each, each person has like a team of these experts, like sitting in their phone and the experts only job is to keep them, on the platform to keep them coming back for more. And it's like, how do we do that? Right. And Mm -hmm. it's this constant strategy meeting. Well, so, Um, but it's a really interesting documentary. Will you definitely rethink your habits on social media after watching it? Yeah. Um, Are you going to go away from it and be like, Oh, I'm going to do this, that, and the other, and then probably not do that. Probably also. Yes. Uh, But it's also a very interesting look at the cogs behind the social Mm -hmm. media apps. And from a very technical and strategic point of view, understanding 
the purpose of social media from their side of things. Because at the end of the day, I think it's important to note that you're playing on their ball field. When you are on Instagram, when you're on Facebook, when you're on YouTube, when you're anywhere, right? And you're, if you're on any type of social media platform, you're on their turf. They set the rules of the game and they are the ones who get to make the rules. They get to tell you what you can and cannot do. They get to tell you how the game is played, all of those things, right? Um, I think I just said the same thing four different ways, so sorry about that, guys. Which is, by the way, um, why it's important to be an omni-platform, omni-channel. Right. And versus just one channel. Yeah, and so just like any other sport, right, they want to make a profit, and they are going to rig the game to make their profit. And they all do it a little bit differently, but at the end of the day, they're all going to do it. And if it... I where I get annoyed is like people complaining about social media and uh, you know it being bad or evil or them setting these rules right and it's like well you're not paying for this service and um, at the end of the day you are a free person and can decide on how to use it and so social media is to an extent, what you make of it, mm -hmm. as far as whether it's good or bad for you, you get to decide that. And you get to, to decide that personally and based on how you want to use it and, and using it for um, your own goals and purposes. And also, these are all private companies and they're for profit. And it's one thing to, to make them out to be, um, you know, big, huge, evil corporations. But, you know, if you're going to be on their platform, you have to play by their rules. Well, look what they just did with the newest update on Instagram. Moving all those things around. So you scroll down through your timeline, and once you have looked at all of your new posts since the time that you last refreshed your timeline, it says, you're all caught up. Click here to view older posts, or you keep scrolling, and it gives you account posts by accounts that you don't follow, but that are relative to what you follow. I've never gotten that message. Yeah, so like you scroll, like so I just refreshed it and scrolling down, that's the most recent post on my timeline. So then it goes down here. I've seen everything new. You can either click to see what you've already seen or you go through a bunch of posts that you don't follow but are relative to what you follow. Yeah, never got that message on mine. Apparently I follow way too many people. Maybe. Or I don't scroll for long enough. Um, I don't want to get off too into the weeds about this. Do you have anything to say about kind of what I just said? I don't want to leave you hanging on that. But there's a couple of questions that I wanted to make sure we got to from the Instagram mm. before we. Nope, not necessarily. Just don't, don't, uh, don't take what we have in front of us for granted because it won't last forever. And follow me. And follow me. Chris Wayne Gerlach. No, me. Follow me. Oh. <laughs> All right. So. <laughs> and by my drone. <laughs> he's still he's still hawking the drone. Um, we've got a few questions from the Instagram today, so I want to go through them. Ryer underscore Porter asks, how often should I post? That was so that I didn't forget to, uh, <laughs> I didn't forget to ask that. Um, how often should I post, Chris? As often as you want to. 
Perfect. Just as long as you're not not posting because of insecurity, and mm-hmm. just as long as you you are not posting because of likes. Perfect. I like that answer. Yeah. Um, interrupted Steve. Why are people interrupting you, Steve? That's not very nice. Next time they interrupt you, interrupt them interrupting you. That's what I say you should do. Um, I'm actually genuinely curious like how that username came <laughs> came about. Interrupted Steve, please tell me. I'm very curious. I want to know. Um, audience building and post engagement. So we talked about audience building a little bit already um, as far as the $1.80, the putting out content that's interesting to your audience. That's obviously something that's hard to talk about on a podcast in general because the type of content that your audience is interested in is different depending on the audience you are trying to build. You know how I Um, found out? By making content and seeing what people liked and what people didn't like. mm -hmm. And then you get to know the people that follow you. Yeah. Yeah. It's like when you hang out with a new group of people and you try telling a joke and you're like, well, that kind of joke doesn't work with them. Mm -hmm. But then you try a different kind of joke and you're like, okay, they like dry humor. Yeah. I can roll with that. Mm -hmm. You don't know if you never crack the joke. Yeah, so I think interrupted Steve. Um, I'm just going to keep saying that username because it's fun. Uh, the first thing you want to do, obviously, is figure out, like, what does your audience look like? Paint a picture of your ideal audience, depending on the goal that you're trying to attain with that audience. Um, and then, like Chris said, try different types of posts, see what they like, and then, um, you know, through that, you'll build an audience of people who like those type of things and you're going to garner engagement. I mean, I think the only like super technical thing about post engagement is writing copy that is engaging, that prompts people to engage with that post. Yeah. Right. So if I just post a pretty picture of a sunset, you know, some people will be like, Oh, that's a pretty sunset. If I post a pretty picture of a sunset and, and I go, uh, you know, what state what what state has the prettiest sunsets? You're probably gonna get a lot of people putting states in in the comments, right? So you're gonna build yeah. some engagement that way. Again, and you wanna engage back with them, but you know build the audience and this is another thing too, just like I said, in my limited experience, when you when you do like what we talked about, you put out the content that you want to put out. And this is again if we're if we're trying to build like a big audience. If you put out the content that you want to put out, then you know it will be sustainable. And then on the back of that, naturally the people who follow you are people who want to see the kind of content that you put out. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Now that doesn't mean over time you won't develop more of a style. Peter McKinnon's first vlog versus whenever he like really started hitting it big looked different, but it was still the content mm-hmm. that he wanted to put out. Even though his style slowly developed over time, it developed into what he wanted to put out and the audience built around that versus him saying, okay, what do my people want? And then just trying to fabricate something. So, I like it. Um, speaking of brands and particular, um, you know, brands of humor, I've noticed, Chris, that you do have a particular way of, of interacting. I do. With, <laughs> with, with, I've honed it in very with, well. With me and specifically <laughs> the Redneck Tech on Instagram. <laughs> And it's trolling. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, I like to ask you all a lot of questions. And Chris likes to give me the answer that he knows will troll me the most. 
Um, and so <laughs> today, Chris says, um, I got this, Chris Wayne Gerlach. Uh, right, I said it right, didn't I? Yes, yeah, perfect. I was a little nervous, but I just had to roll with it. Um, how to make my picks good. Uh, you know, Chris, there's there's a lot of things. Google. I would I would say um, learn how to shoot your camera on manual and then just go out and shoot. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Okay, fine. Mm-hmm. That's what I'll do. Um, only F1.8. <laughs> Best I can do is F4. <laughs> <laughs> well, your picks won't be good. I'm just kidding, folks. That was a joke. Um, all my lenses are F4s, so. Uh, yeah. This is this is Chris squirming uncomfortably because <laughs> I'm exposing his trolling on Instagram. Um, no, I'm squirming uncomfortably because I've, the camera ex- in this lighting exposed how much weight I put on in the last year. Oh, yeah. Touche. Uh, well, it's the camera extreme. adds 15 pounds, so really it's nothing. Oh, okay. Net zero. Just 15? It could put on however much you want. It puts on whatever you've gained. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Plus <fair> 15. Enough. <laughs> fair enough. Winter Productions uh, asks, video length, and should you do one photo, a post, or multiple scroll? That is a question I did have. because it's a fantastic question. Because I would much rather go on an all-dad hunt and post my 10 best photos from the all-dad hunt versus post once one photo a day for 10 days of the all-dad hunt. This is a good debate. Oh, God. That's a good point. So... So I don't have any opinions on this. Instagram carousels were invented for the purpose, in my, in my opinion, observing Instagram was it was invented for the purpose of you building a series of photos because, um, it keeps people on the app longer because they want to look through them. It's like it's it's just it's a whole thing. And there's also direct correlations between if you post a ten, like the best number of carousel that you can do is ten because that's the max allowed. Mm-hmm. Because if you can post so like. If you wanted to go by what the algorithm says, if you can post 10 pictures to a, to a carousel and people actually want to look through all 10 of them, you're more likely to show up in their feed because they have spent longer engaging with your content. And I would much rather me as a consumer see someone post 10 photos of a buck they killed mm-hmm. versus them post one and then a month later still holding on to that kill and post one. Yeah. And then a month later, holding on to that kill and post one. And then a month later, holding on to that kill. And it's been five yeah. months, and I'm still seeing stuff that's not relative to right now. But to that point, the other thing is with the algorithm, we know that you don't always see every post that somebody puts out. Yes. Mm-hmm. And there are some people that I follow specifically in the outdoor industry. And if you're a hunter in the outdoor industry, there's a pretty good chance you at least know who Danielle Halverson is. Mm-hmm. And she... I follow her. Yeah. She will... Um, she will milk her content and make it last a long time. And I've heard some people give her crap for it, but like she has such a loyal fan base and they eat up everything that she puts out. And um, she will, she'll do the, she'll do the same thing and she'll make a piece of content. And now it may not be the exact same picture or it may be the picture in a different context. Whereas first she just posted the picture, but later she posts like a reel or something like that, or a video where the picture is a part of it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But she'll make that, so you'll find a way to make that content last over time um, and just repurpose it. And so, I mean, I think there are tasteful ways to do both. Yep. I mean, I'm all about a good two or three post teaser pick and then posting your gripping grin. I'm all about that. <laughs> I never want to hear that phrase again. What? Your gripping grin? Yeah, like gripping grin photo? 
It just makes me feel uncomfortable. Sorry. I know what you're talking about. Sorry, your trophy photo. I don't like but trophy photos. But I'm not. What about my ethically sourced harvest photo? I guess I guess it's just me being, having, not anxiety, but like this, this aggravated disdain mm-hmm. for things that I don't like. That's fair. There's a there's a lot more things out there I don't like than what I do like. Oh my gosh, really? And I think <laughs> the fact that guys, guys, wait, did you hear this? I'm so surprised. <laughs> I'm sorry, Clay. He, he I feel like I don't know the office di- the office dynamics, but I feel like him and and Caleb like get along really well. Yes, because neither of you dip your toe in the water. You're either full sail one way or the other. Hundred percent. It's like Caleb. Have you seen this movie? I hated it. It's like, I really hope Caleb's still on. Caleb, are you there? It's like, you only saw the trailer. Doesn't matter. Oh, it's Ca- suck. Caleb's one of the most opinionated people I've ever met. <laughs> Is he not? And about some of the strangest things, truly. But like, like I could ask him about s- peanut butter and celery, and he is going to have a very strong opinion on it. Very much, Caleb. If I want to hear your opinion on peanut butter and celery right now, I don't know if he's still here. He's probably not. He's probably doing something hunting wise, but. Like, hundred percent, he's got an opinion on that. Yeah, I don't even doubt it. And if it's not the opinion, if his opinion's not your opinion, he's not like this with everybody. He just does it to be, mess with us. But like, if he hates peanut butter and celery, and him and I, Ryer and I love peanut butter and celery, guaranteed three hundred bucks off our paycheck next next week. Like it is like a it is like First. Un, unholy <laughs> to disagree with him. Well, first thing, if you get to a point where you have, like, like if we're going to be literal with our language, that you hate peanut butter and celery, <laughs> like, if you just have a hatred and disdain for peanut butter and celery, I don't, we need to have a conversation. I don't like celery, so. Well, you don't like it, but you don't hate it. You don't despise God's creation of it. I don't know, do you? <laughs> <laughs> he might. He might. Okay, is there any other questions? Yeah, there's okay. lots more. <laughs> okay, let's go. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, um, we're two hours. We're gonna this. fight Jocko for the longest podcast. I don't think so. I'm not fighting Jocko for anything. That's the facts. Hypothetical fight. Um, Metaphorical fight. No contest. Uh, video length, I think, was another part of that. Again, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's it's all about what kind of video, and probably on Instagram, you should be doing it all. You should probably do 60 second videos. You should be doing the reels, which are 15 to 30. And then, you know, they want to see you doing Instagram TV stuff. So, um, and then there are going to be people, yeah, both people them. who want to see the long form, drawn out version of it. Oh, God. <laughs> We're just going to continue on. Um, Jake Ansel, I really hope I pronounced that right. That's another one that I'm not sure how to pronounce. Any tips on keeping Instagram photos as sharp as you shot them? Mine fall apart. Nope. Um, Don't you, over clarity. Yeah. Don't use over clarity. Because well, well, it compresses it. So there goes my editing style. <laughs> I use a lot of clarity. <laughs> so do I. I think all of us in this office use a lot of clarity. And I don't... It's crazy that we all use... <laughs> well, so that's but you an, can still tell the difference between all of our photos. Both you, know. you you and Caleb like a lot of contrast. I don't. That's, that's mm-hmm. an outdoor industry thing, though, I feel. Because I was talking to my friend Spencer, and he was looking through... When we came to the class, and he was looking through a bunch of different outdoors accounts, and he's like... Does everybody just max the clarity fader? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, because you, know you, you look at like <laughs> portrait photography or wedding photography or real estate. A lot of it's very soft. Yeah. See, and I hate it. Oh, yeah. I think there's a place for it. 
Sure. The thing is, listen. If in, you the got gar- totally, in the garbage is the place for if you it. Got a, but if you got like this gnarly dude with like blood all over him and like cutting up a deer, then like yeah, max out that clarity fader because it makes him look grungy as heck. Yeah, I'm all about but, like, the grunge. Like yeah. that's my yeah. I've I'm sure anybody could tell me my photo style, whatever. But like to that point, there's a you're, you're right there, buddy. <laughs> oh, <stop. laughs> Almost fell out of my chair. Oh my gosh. I'm just that funny, folks. Um, like, I see pictures that are soft, or, like, not soft, but they're just more subtle. I, for the life of me, cannot make one of my photos like that and yeah. and like it. I, I love photos like that. I will 100% look at somebody's photo that's like that and be like, wow, that's a freaking super awesome photo. And... I can't bring myself to edit any of my photos like that. I make mine way too warm. Every single one of my photos. I hate a cold photo. Same. If it has any blue in it, I'm like, it's trash. See, I one, love blue. One reason you sometimes you we can't make our images, quote, soft is because we're taking photos. It's warm. We're taking photos in video picture profiles. I'm not. Oh. What are you talking about? I take my photos in raw. But it should, yeah, it should yes, go but, in raw, right? Yes, but you're still, you still have a pic. I know at least on my Sony, there's still a picture profile on it. I have it in neutral. Oh well, huh. my never mind then. Don't listen to me. Yeah, I think you're right. Because my Sony, if I'm filming in picture profile five, my photos are in picture profile five. If I'm filming, that doesn't translate if, if over, I'm, does it? In, in my I didn't in the think so-, so in the Sony, I know for a fact, like all the photos I took when we were with Greg. Were in S log, because I was filming in S log. Because not because you're stuck that way, because that's how the Sony defaults. You can go in and change it to your picture. Like when you shoot it in sixteen by nine. I shoot all my photos in sixteen by nine. That way, I don't have to reframe time lapses. So none of my photos are in three by four or four by three. But when you load them into Lightroom, excuse me, sir. When you load them into Lightroom, very offended by what you just said just then. Like when he was, (laughs) but when you load it into Lightroom, you can change it back to three. It still saves the three by four image. But yeah, it, no, I know. I've never done that. All my seem, photos are always six. It just seems now. like I would, like the time lapses. What was the question? Uh, how do I make my photos not look bad on Instagram? Less basically? clarity. Oh. Um, he says less clarity. I would say uh, they're just going to. You can, there's, if you really want to dive into like the very technical details, there's definitely some like YouTube videos on people's export settings. And yeah. there are some little tweaks you can do. Um, we're not going to go into those. I would just like YouTube it, say, um, get like export settings for Instagram 2021 or something, and you'll get 45,000 videos. Um, but at the end of the day, Instagram is going to crush your stuff. It's just, yeah, it's going it to compress the crap out. Now I've heard people <coughs> say that it's better to compress it yourself Yeah. and yes. export it super compressed and make sure you like the way it looks. Mm-hmm. That way, it's not leaving it just up to Instagram to compress it's too, it. It's yeah. too much work. But next, I don't know. Uh, Rob Kenny underscore photo wants to uh, talk about shadow bands. Shadow bands. I don't know if I know a lot about shadow bands. I know I hear they happen. Um, I don't know what that is. Sometimes, it's sometimes where they I've like take you out of people's <coughs> feed, so you're not getting. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Stuff, okay, okay, okay. There's okay. no like, it's not alerting you to it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Some I have two opinions on this. One w- thing I I definitely think that like okay, so we're playing on these platforms, and I assume Rob that you're probably talking about hunting specifically. 
um, and hunting politics, hunting politics. And I think that there is probably Instagram or Twitter or YouTube or whatever is not going to prioritize a lot of our content because they're, they as companies politically, um, probably don't support like a lot, like, Guns, hunting or guns, guns or blood, like dead animals. I get reported on a weekly basis, and my content is very mild. I don't even mm-hmm. have a kill shot on my page. I don't think, besides I've the ducks. never been reported. So, I also, well, to be fair, I also argue with a lot of vegans on Instagram, so that could be part of it, too. I think I but. think we found the <laughs> confounding variable. But I was Chris and I were having a conversation about how statistics lie and how sometimes oh they gosh. say one thing, but actually... Um, it's a false flag and the cause is something completely different. I think that's, this is one of those cases. So Chris is like, my content gets flagged a lot. This is, this is a good example. Um, so this is why brand in my opinion matters. And this is why personal, um, this is why my personal communication with people matters and being as in tune with your audience as possible. Because if you leave it up to the algorithm, then your success will always be at the mercy of the platform that you're on. Mm-hmm. But if you build an audience of people, assuming that you're in, assuming that you're in a field where building an audience is relevant, like you're trying to be an influencer or whatever, that's why it's important to build a relationship with people so that instead of you having to rely on showing up in their feed, they actively seek you out. Mm-hmm. Like people want to see John Dudley's content, so they look at John Dudley's page. Yeah, it yeah. sucks that he's getting shadow banned, but he has people, and he's going to lose some impressions over that because there's like a bell curve of of like viewership Mm -hmm. but he's built brand with so many people that people are going to actively go to his page to see what knock on archery is doing because the same way that they'll go to the outdoor channel to see what's on or the same reason they'll go to whatever people want to see what his channel is putting out and that's why building brand is important versus just like i follow a couple of pages on instagram that are business pages and like Mm -hmm. if i've got a minute and i want to look at like business tips or marketing tips if it, I, I don't have to worry about it showing up in my feed because I, because of the value they provide and the communication between like them and their audience, I'm actively going to their page on Instagram to look mm-hmm. at their stuff. So it doesn't matter if Instagram shadow bans them or not. Right. Yeah, and people are people follow Dudley because and oh, sorry, Dudley shows up because he's John Dudley and knock on TV, not because he's blowing the algorithm out of the water. That's also a good point. He probably has people actively like going to his page and that like feeds it too. Yeah. He doesn't need the impressions to build his Instagram because his brand itself has built his Instagram. That's also a good mm-hmm. point. He didn't use Instagram to become John Dudley. No. So. John Dudley got on Instagram because Instagram needed John Dudley. And that's why I'm always <laughs> hesitant whenever people whenever people who are influencers who got their influence from somewhere else use like tell people how to gain influence on social media because like and sure there are people who like know have a ton of knowledge about it mm-hmm. but like whenever you've built your following based on your dad's tv show and then you turn around and give really really bad information about how to act on instagram then that tells yeah. me that like obviously you didn't grow because of you knew how to like work the 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 communication platform you grew because and that's like I don't have any like shame or anything towards those people. Well, I think it's important to note like look at look at um, some of the creators on Vine, right? So you have these people who blow up on one platform mm-hmm. and they're doing fantastic 
on that platform. And they, like, Vine just disappears, right? Vine essentially just disappeared, got wiped off the face of the earth. What happened to a lot of those creators? Now, there are some that have been able to continue their brand and be successful on other platforms. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think far and away, a lot of those creators essentially lost what we could call a lot of their influence. Which is the same thing, like I said, is going to happen as TV continues to go down the drain the way right. that it has. There's going to be opportunity for new influencers to, to step up. And again, like what you, you had mentioned it before, we really didn't touch on it, but mm-hmm. um, having the, the same advice that people always give to people who are investing, like don't put all your eggs in one basket, diversify. diversify. You also want to do that across yeah. the social medias because There's especially a, if we want to talk about shadow bands and we want to talk about, um, you know, securing a, a foundation and having a, a solid audience, um, hunting is, oh, the battery's flashing. We're, we're going to have to wrap this up soon. Hunting right now, and I do not foresee this not being the case is controversial. Uh, in on a nationwide level, whether we agree with whether it should be or not is besides the point. Um, a lot of these platforms see it as controversial. A lot of these platforms do not want to uh, show hunting. They would rather not. Um, and that's where these shadow bands come in. This is where it's hard to get a, a following or reach people or whatever it may be. Um, unfortunately, that's the platform. And yep. you can only play by their rules. But you, can- you should definitely be on all the platforms because if Instagram wakes up tomorrow and is like no more hunting pages on here and your entire livelihood or your entire audience is on there, it's gone like that. And there's literally nothing you can do about it. There was a a girl that I connected with on Instagram who was an outdoors influencer and she was, she had somewhat of a Facebook page built up and was on TikTok kind of, but she had just a, a weird incident where her Instagram page got hacked and deleted. And she, like, it was a, every photo that she had posted, she had, like, 50,000 or 60,000 followers, which is a good amount for a sponsorship. And um, she had to restart, and, like, this is, like, two months ago, and she's right now at, like, 3,500 followers, mm-hmm. just based off of the brand that she had and other people who she was friends with hyping it back up. But, like, it really hurt her because, you know, she was relying on sponsorships on that one platform. And whenever that happened, she lost all of her impressions, and luckily the, you know, luckily the, the brands that she was working with were like gracious to her and kept, continued that relationship. But at the end of the day, like it went from her having a lot of value for them to all of a sudden, like she just, I mean, you know, all of a sudden the value just wasn't there. And yeah. like those brands, like they have to make money too, and it has to be worth their investment. But at the end of the day, like once those views all disappeared and those constant impressions disappeared, she was immediately worth a fraction of what she was worth before. And that's not like, that's not like because of like emotional reasons or whatever. It's just like statistically she's not yeah. worth the dollar amount and it, it sucks. But like whenever you function on one platform and that's where all of your eggs are on, um, that's the basket that all of your eggs are in. Then like you run the risk of, of that. But just like viral videos can, can literally blow up overnight. Mm-hmm. You, you, all of your influence quote unquote can also yeah. just, disappear yeah. overnight so, so um build brand so that people consciously seek you out instead of having to rely on the algorithm to put you in front of them that's the that's the short answer to that question mm-hmm. in my opinion
Yeah. I have to say that every time. <laughs> Moxie underscore Don also says Instagram censoring hunting and how do we combat it? Hunters are people too. Um, don't rely on the algorithm to put you in front of people, make yeah. connections. And again, it's, can we be outspoken about um, disagreeing with Instagram's uh, policies or um, try to be outspoken and make people aware of that Instagram is doing this and try to push Instagram to change their policies? Mm-hmm. 100%. And I think that, you know, if, if Instagram is a platform that you want to be on and you are a hunter, um, you know, you kind of have to do that to an extent. Mm-hmm. You can do that through, obviously, um, just posting the content that that you feel like you should be posting, um, being outspoken about these things, building an audience, uh, showing Instagram that there is value in this audience, I think, is, is kind of a fuzzy way to do things. Like, if you show Instagram, hey, we're keeping people on your platform, they're going to be much less likely to just kick all of hunting off than if there's no engagement or no value for Instagram to have hunters here. Right. So I think that's kind of something you can do. But again, at the end of the day, Instagram is Instagrams, right? They have the final say. um, And the best you can do is just advocate for hunting hunters and the hunting lifestyle the best that you can. And if Instagram still decides that they're going to shadow ban or they're going to um, not allow hunting or any other social media for that matter, you really can't do a lot yeah. about it. You can build a website and put your content on that website and refer people back to that website that you're producing content on so that if every other social media platform decides they want to ban hunting, you still have your platform, so mm-hmm. to speak, to put content out on. But other than that, you know, you're really at the mercy of the platform. Uh, last question, the underscore rodeo underscore dad. What is the best way to load gold content to Insta slash Facebook? How to get more followers? Again, I would you're probably going to say what I'm going to say, but gold content is super subjective. Um, you know, make stuff that you think is cool. Do your best making the coolest content that you can make, um, and be true to yourself and your brand, and constantly be push pushing yourself to create better content. Um, and like yeah. like you said before, good content is all relevant to your audience as well. Mm-hmm. So and again, your audience is relevant to your goals. So starting with, hey, what is my goal here? Then what does the audience look like that will help me achieve that goal? And then going, okay, what kind of audience metrics do I need to have in order to um, do whatever it is I'm trying to do here? And then making content that is both authentic and um, that you're proud of that also you're that is bringing value to that audience that yeah. you've set up. That's pretty good. Uh, did you have anything to add to that? Maybe. Okay. I've kind of been going into these questions with the assumptions that they were people who were trying to like build something from scratch. So in the chance that you or anybody else who asked these questions are a bigger production or somebody who has um, dollars to put towards market research or market study. Uh, a great what you, you said the word gold, like gold content. So that just, I don't know, makes me think like something. So um, something that we've had success with on a, on a small scale in the past and that I know bigger brands are doing is um, testing out organic content by first running paid promotion. 
because you can get a 15 second video view and for literally two cents, like literally cost two cents for me to force you to watch a 15 second video in your Facebook feed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, if you're not sure what type of content that people are going to like, or not sure like whether you should go with like one style or another for two cents spread over hundreds of people, you can get a really good idea of what people are engaging with. Um, and then if you don't want to go like the 15 second forced route, then you can like just run longer ads that people can or can't click out of. And then you can actually run paid promotion on these, not as a post, but as an ad on the back end of the ad manager. And then you can like run three different types of content and be like, okay, well on these first two people are dropping off like almost immediately. But on this other one, like on this other type of content, they're actually retaining for a long time. So there's a pretty good chance people enjoy this type of content and mm-hmm. then make more content like that. That's worked for furniture stores. <laughs> that has worked for um, firearms, people in the firearms world. That has worked for, which is trickier because you can't actually put firearms and ads on Facebook. Yeah, um, It's worked across industries because basically what you're doing is amplifying it to see what people like and then making more of what people like. So that's also another way to... Make gold content. Just basically, if you have some AB, dollars, ABC testing. Exactly. Making, like, legitimately just testing, scientifically gathering statistics and analyzing them. Yeah. That's. It's not a sexy way to do it. It's not a probably the funnest way to do it, but it is going to be the most accurate way to do it, and it's going to be the best way to like definitively say. And know, hey, my audience likes this thing, or this content is getting me the metrics, or the engagement, or this, that, or the other that I've decided I'm going to measure because it's relative to my goals. So, Perfect. again, make a goal, and everything else needs to relate to that goal. Yeah, needs to push you forward to the to that goal. So, um, our yeah. Oh, nothing. Are we about to? Ra- I've yeah. got a phone call to make. Yeah. So. Um. Uh. Our battery is flashing, and I think that we have covered this very thoroughly. I hope that. Um. I hope that you guys got something useful out of it. Uh. Where can people find you, Chris? Instagram, Chris at Chris Wingerlack. Facebook at Chris Wingerlack. Twitter at Chris Wingerlack. Mm. Wait, can I guess the can internet? I guess another one? The internet? What's my website? ChrisWayneGerlach.com. Nailed it. Yes. Nailed it. And basically any other platform that exists that I may or may not be on, if I'm on it, it's at Chris Wayne Gerlach. Another solid tip. Make all of your usernames <laughs> the same, folks. I wonder if I did it on purpose or not. I think you did. Something in me tells me that you did. Branding. Um, you can find us at Redneck Tech Podcast. Same pretty much everywhere. Um, If you're listening to this and want to watch it, it's on YouTube. If uh, you're on YouTube and you want to listen to it, we are on all of your favorite uh, podcast applications. And uh, as always, we want to hear from you. Hit us up, ask us questions. um, And uh, we will be back next time. See y'all later. Boom.